All right, thank you. And as Pastor Eric said, my name is Dan Eberhard, and my wife and I and our two kids, um, Sam and Anna, have been a part of the campus since uh, just about the launch, and we're very grateful for the community that we've formed here through mission and um, the op opportunity, and I'm also very grateful for the opportunity to share this morning. So the first thing that I want to start us off with, and I need a little bit of help from you guys on, is sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Let's try that one more time. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Yeah, either names will never hurt me or words will never hurt me. Um, I imagine that we've all heard this before. We've either told it to someone or we believe it to be true. I'd say there's an element of this saying that is true, that names or words aren't gonna physically break any of our bones, but the words can and do hurt. I think we often forget the power that our words do have and what they're capable of. I'm sure we can all think of a time when we have been hurt by someone's words or a name that they called us. I know I have. I can think of a time almost 20 years ago now when I was in high school and freshman, sophomore year, I was the second shortest kid in the class. So important distinction, not the shortest in the class, but second shortest. So I got to take my wins where I can get them. But as a second shortest kid in the class and as some of my classmates and teammates let me know that I had a um, larger than normal head. And so they, they decided to call me the name Little Big for Little Body Big Head, or LB for short. And I remember two guys specifically, Sean and Nick, that were on the soccer team that would kind of lead the charge in calling me this name. And now I can have moments of, of laughing about it and joking about it, but when I think back to that time, I can still feel the feelings that I felt at that time. And when I walked through the hallways and heard them call me that name or on the soccer team where I'm trying to develop belonging and get connected with other teammates and them tearing me down by calling me that name. And it just fed into my own insecurities that I had as a young teenager trying to get connected and, and feel a part of the community. And so with that, I want to take a look into God's word and see more about what it says about the power of words. So the first verse I want to look at before we get into our main verse here is James 1.19. James 1.19 says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Now this verse, if you're married, you know this to be true. If you're a neighbor, if you're a coworker, a classmate, if you're a parent, or a child, this word from James speaks to us all. I imagine you probably heard the saying as well that we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. We probably should be listening a lot more than we're speaking. But yet, it's still so easy for us to put our foot in our mouth over and over again. James mentions this because we need the reminder that our words have power. Let's read on further in the book of James. James 3, chapter 3, 3 through 5 says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large, they are driven by strong winds, yet they are steered by a very small rudder, 
wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. So we have a horse, a large ship, and a forest fire. The tongue is powerful, like the bit guiding the horse, the rudder guiding the ship, and the spark that ignites a forest fire. Speaking of a spark, my wife and I used to live in Idaho back in 2015, we moved out to Idaho, and there was a news story that dropped just a few months after we had moved there. And it's definitely gonna be one that's gonna be hard to forget. So to set the stage, there was a cyclist that was riding through the foothills, and that's Idaho's version of mountains. And he was riding through and then decided he needed to make a pit stop. But there's no 7-Eleven, no Casey's, no Porta Johns out there in the foothills. So he pulled aside, took care of his business. And usually if you're conscious of the environment and nature, you pack out. So you put, it, put your toilet paper in a Ziploc bag, take it home with you, dispose of it. It's gross, but dispose of it as needed. But this individual decided that he didn't want to take it back with him and that he was just gonna destroy it there. And so he lit this toilet paper on fire and that single spark that then lit the toilet paper on fire then ignited a forest fire throughout the foothills from a couple squares of toilet paper. That lighter resulted in 73 acres of destruction from the fire. So if you look at this, all of this black space, this is all the, the fire destroyed from the, from the forest fire in the foothills. And to put that into perspective, with football season right around the corner, an American football field is 1.32 acres. So this is like 55 football fields burning a forest from a few squares of toilet paper. So our tongues, the words, the things that we say have power. And it's important that we don't use them carelessly like our cyclist here and his toilet paper. God's word tells us that our words have power. And we know this from our own experience to be true because communication shapes the way that we relate and understand one another. The words that we say, the tone we use, words are powerful and they have the potential to be dangerous, much like the cyclist spark. So why am I talking about the power of words and how it's clearly something that James here, as we mentioned earlier, is trying to get across and sharing about this within our SHAPE series. Well, I'm glad you asked. So several weeks ago, before the SHAPE series started, Pastor Eric sent me a text message, just asked, what are some verses that have shaped you and impacted your life? And so I sent him about seven to 10 different verses that came to mind. Here you go, sent them over, and I thought that was that. And then, a week or two goes by, I get a phone call, and he's asking me, having a conversation about how do you feel about preaching within the series? It's like, well, honestly, I feel pretty nervous, but <laughs> excited about the opportunity. And then we, and we didn't even mention a specific verse yet at that point. And then he said, how do you feel about preaching on Ephesians 4.29? And funny enough, this verse that he mentioned is one that I've had on my note card in my workstation for the last few years and is something that I continue to battle with and need to remind myself of daily. 
And so when he asked, and I literally have the note card, here's my workstation from home, about three, four years ago, I wrote it on a note card as a constant reminder for myself because it's something that I continue to battle with and need to remind myself of daily. So as mentioned, our verse this week is Ephesians 4.29. And this verse says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, when I look at this verse and I see the word unwholesome, like, okay, cool, I kind of have an idea of what that word means or what that is, but what does it really mean, unwholesome? Like, just don't swear or, like, don't call people a certain name or something. So to help better understand that, I want to look at the definition of unwholesome. So the definition of unwholesome, according to Webster's, is anything detrimental to physical, mental, or moral well-being. So now I want to take that definition and replace the word unwholesome with the definition to help paint a better picture for us. So it says, do not let any talk that is detrimental to physical, mental, or moral well-being come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now this verse applies to two groups of people. There's the group of people that is anyone that hears, so we hear someone else or they hear us, And I believe the other group of people is ourselves. And so we have the internal aspect of this message and our internal talk, and we have the external aspect. So first I want to start with the internal aspect. Something we probably don't think about that much, but I feel like is very impactful and very important. The way that we communicate with ourselves, our internal self-talk, whether you say things out loud about yourself or things you're thinking about and others give you goofy looks like I tend to do a lot of times, or they are just thoughts that you have in your head about yourself, a decision you made, or a thought that you had. I want you to think, is this internal dialogue you're having one that tears you up, tears you down, or builds you up? This negative self-talk, talk that is tearing us down, is something that a lot of us deal with. Comparing ourselves to others' highlight reels, especially in the age of social media with Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all the the other socials, you see the five to 10% that people share of here's my best of the best, this is what I'm trying to show off my image to other people. And then we take that and compare it to 100% of our junk that we're dealing with or that we're fighting with ourselves. And then we begin to spiral and we go into that negative self-talk. It also includes things like not believing in ourselves, saying things like, I'm not good enough, I don't deserve this, or I deserve this negative thing. And I believe that God is calling us to run from that negative self-talk. If it's tearing you or others down, flee from it. For me, I struggle with comparison and fighting negative self-talk. That's a big part of why this verse is so impactful for me and I believe for us. We need to focus on what God says about us as opposed to the negative thoughts that come in. We're able to do that by one thing, by spending time with God and in his word. So look at Psalm 139, verse 23. When we get in those moments where we're having this negative self-talk or we're struggling with something, think of this verse. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. 
Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. So when we get in those moments where we're dealing with negative self-talk and we're having a hard time believing in ourselves, I want you to take a step back and to reflect on this too and search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Take a moment, let it resonate, try to think about what am I doing? Am I going down that spiral or am I believing and looking to how God says, what God says about me and what he believes about me? And in addition to spending time with God and in his word, spending time with God's people, making sure that we have a community of people that we're in relationship with that are focused on building up the body and not tearing it down. Side note, as mentioned at the beginning of service, life groups are starting up soon. And if you haven't joined one or if you've thought about it, but maybe you're nervous, I would encourage you to do so. I know for me that life groups have been very formative for me throughout my life as we've moved in different areas. And I know even now, like with being in mission and being a part of the small groups, it's really been something that's formative and just to be able to help build each other up and to be there for one another. And so I would strongly encourage you to look into that. Now, one of the reasons that this passage in Ephesians is so important and impactful to me, and I believe for us, is also that too often that we are our harshest critic for big and small things. And I know that at least I tend to be. The beginning of August, I had a company event up in Wisconsin, and I worked for a software company up there. And that morning, the first day, our managers in the support department were giving out different awards for different team members that they manage. And these weren't like, oh, here's a plaque, and you get a raise, and this is the bonus that's tied to it. It was like literally like a kindergarten award that you print off, almost like Microsoft clip art. So nothing too crazy, but just to set, you, set the stage for you on as far as what that award ceremony looked like. And some of the awards that folks got were funny, some were encouraging or uplifting, talking about different characteristics that they embody. One of my colleagues, um, Dante, he got the award for the most likely to be in a hair commercial. And he honestly has wonderful hair. It's down to his shoulders. It's beautiful. I'm admittedly jealous because obviously I struggle in that department. Um, but uh, anyways, with that, and I know I've just come to grips with the fact that I'm just not going to have that, and that's okay. But uh, there was also others that received awards for things like multitasking or thoughtfulness. There was another member on my team, um, a team member named Chad, that he received the Socrates Award from our manager. And he got the award for thoughtfulness and deep conversations. And as I started hearing these other awards and I heard the award that Chad got, my mind started going like, oh, like that's, that's something that's important to me. I love having thoughtful and deep conversations and I feel like I have a, a good relationship with my manager and that we do have some of those thoughtful conversations too. So I began to think, oh, well, what award might I get? Like he got Socrates, so maybe I'll get a different philosopher or something else. And I didn't get another, I didn't get Socrates or another philosopher. The award that I got was the Dr. Robotnik Award. So I don't know if you've, if you've seen the new Sonic movie, but I'll give you one guess as to why I may have received the Dr. Robotnik Award. So 
when he called that out and gave me the award, admittedly, like, in my head, I was like, oh, ha, ha, ha. But then part of me was also like, man, he got, like, the Socrates award. Like, you're thoughtful and have deep conversations. And here you are. Here's the Dr. Robotnik award because you have a goofy mustache. Like, good job. (laughs) And... So I started having a little bit of that negative self-talk and started to spiral a little bit. And then it took me a moment, but then I was reminded of this verse. And as I've been studying more on this verse and looking onto this passage, I was reminded of the destruction that I was doing internally. Now, I don't do this all the time, admittedly, but this was one time that I did. In this instance, I could have built up a wall. I could have been frustrated but I decided to know the source, to believe the best about, because I have a good relationship with my manager and he's been the best manager that I've had, and to seek to understand why my colleague Chad received this award. And this then presented an opportunity for us to connect on another level. Chad, I began to try to recognize and see, okay, what personal and professional development sessions is Chad going to? And I recognized that he and I were looking at a lot of the similar ones And so then I sat by him in one of them, and then we both were talking about it and had really good conversation when I had had a lot of conversation with him outside of cases and being virtually, that makes it a little bit difficult to have more of those deep conversations. And then we both went up and we talked to the speaker and asked questions and then continued the dialogue after that. And then it may even roll into a book study of some kind based on one of the books that the speaker had recommended. So had I not decided to turn away from that negative self-talk, I would have missed out on an opportunity to connect with my colleague, Chad. And so in those moments, oops, excuse me. So in those moments, we need to think about the way that we communicate, the way that we receive those communications, and the way we interpret others' words, because they matter. So when we start to have negative self-talk echoing in our heads, tearing ourselves down, we need to remember that God sees us as who we really are, his child, and we're more than the sum total of our worst decisions. He loves us and loves you more than you could ever imagine. So next I want to go into, I'm going to rapid fire through a couple verses here. So if you have your physical Bible and you want to try to sword drill it and keep pace with me, you're more than welcome to. Um, Otherwise, if you just want to sit and listen and let the verses marinate, uh, please do that. So Ephesians 2.10, the first part of the verse says, we are God's workmanship. We're God's masterpiece. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The ultimate gift, the ultimate sacrifice for us and for you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. The latter half of John 10.10 says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. God tells us in Exodus that we are his treasured possession. God created us in his image. God's Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We're reminded throughout scripture to see what God sees to build up yourself and others not tear down. He wants us to have life and have life to the full. This will help to change your negative self-talk 
and help you make the shift from tearing yourself down to building yourself up. Now we talked about the internal and how this passage applies to our internal self-talk. Let's move on to the second group that this applies to. Anyone that hears, that you hear or you hear them, the external. So when we look at external communication, when someone tells you things like, you never or you always, what's your problem? What's wrong? That wasn't very smart. Do those phrases give you the warm fuzzies? Do you feel built up and you're ready to take on the day? Not a chance, right? That makes you feel like garbage. It tears you down. So if they don't, then what do all these things have in common? It's like I said, based on the tone and the words that are coming out of my mouth, they're likely not building anyone up. They're likely leaving destruction in their path. For me, what's wrong and what's your problem are probably the two that I use the most that I shouldn't. And I know a few people that can attest to that. <laughs> and usually I assume that there's a problem in those moments and those, I choose to, to say those things. And usually there's not even a problem, there's not an issue, but I've assumed or built one up in my head. And if I'm not careful, one develops as a result of that because of the way that I'm communicating, the things that I'm saying, the way that I'm saying it. And this not only applies within our homes and our families, but this group is anyone that hears you or you hear them. So at your workplaces, at school, whatever, wherever you are, what you're communicating and how you say it matters. Our tone, the way that we respond to others, our facial expressions, the delivery, it all plays into it, either positively or negatively. So now for a moment, I'd like you all to picture or think back to what your most favorite gift is. So whether birthday or Christmas, whichever one, but think about your favorite, most favorite gift that you've ever gotten. And while I give you a moment to think about that, I'm going to take a sip of coffee. All right, hopefully everyone's got their favorite gift or thought of something that might fall into that category. So now I want to ask, when you thought of your favorite gift, when it came to mind, did anyone else think of sticky notes? Sticky notes for their fa most favorite gift they've ever received. No, just me? All right, cool. So for me, the most favorite gift that I've ever received was sticky notes. On my birthday back in 2016, I was working in an office and we were out in Idaho and my wife Abby put together this gift for me to where she sent a manila envelope to one of my colleagues and included an eight and a half by 11 sheet and a bunch of sticky notes. And on the eight and a half by 11 sheet, she wrote on there, Dan, I love you because you are, and then gave a bunch of sticky notes and then had my coworker come into my office before I started to work that day and he set it up throughout my office. And I still remember the feeling that I had walking in the office that morning and seeing it. Like I was just blown away and it really just made a huge impact on me and just really felt loved and encouraged. And so this is my, my fa most favorite gift. And so with that and with seeing the words and the sticky notes, 
Obviously, you can probably guess that words of affirmation is one of my top love languages. And with that love language, there's a heightened awareness and sensitivity to words, both positively and negatively. So that's exactly why one of my all-time favorite gifts was a bunch of sticky notes. Now, I don't know if you are familiar with the five love languages, as I mentioned there, but if you're not, there are lists of essentially five different ways that we receive love and we give love to others. Gary Chapman, an author, wrote about this in a book after some extensive research. And funny enough, the book is called The Five Love Languages, and they are words of affirmation, gifts, quality time, acts of service, and physical touch. So if you've not read it or taken the test to discover what your love languages are, I'd highly recommend looking into that. So this gift and the sticky notes that I received from my wife are a great example of someone using their words to build up and not tear down. I still am reminded of this gift on a regular basis, and I remember the feeling that I had walking in that morning on my birthday. Now, with our external communication, we need to be mindful of the way that we are communicating. Like Abby was for my birthday, not allowing unwholesome talk to come out of our mouths and using our words to build up and not tear down. It's not always going to look or sound the same. It can be situational. So if you see someone in the middle of the street and they have their headphones on and maybe a car is coming, you're not going to stop and think, hmm, like how can I say something that's going to be encouraging them, it's going to build them up, and get them to safety. No, like this situation, you're likely gonna yell, hey, get out of the way, like the car's coming. And you're gonna try to push or pull to get them out of the way to ensure that they are safe. The situation calls for getting their attention quickly and directly and ensuring they get out of the way of danger. And in addition to situational, situational moments that will arise, when we say building up, we're not saying that we are not being truthful when we're saying things. In life, we will have difficult conversations that we'll need to have, and we'll need to deliver those conversations and carry those out. The way we carry those out matter. Your words matter. But when I say this, I'm not telling you to lie to someone thinking that you're gonna build them up and tell them something that's not true. If you were to come to me and tell me that I'm gonna be the next superstar quarterback in the NFL, as someone who's never played tackle football outside of recess, is vertically challenged compared to most quarterbacks, I'll probably have a difficult time fitting into a football helmet, calling me the next Aaron Rodgers or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow. We might have other questions for you. Now, if you were to say that I might have a shot becoming the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears, then I might have a chance, but we won't go there. Now, all kidding aside, we're wanting to build others up, not give them false hope or lie to them. And sometimes that means we have to have a tough conversation. And we have to have that tough conversation because we care, and we need to make sure that we handle that conversation as such with care. Your relationship capital matters. And it's important that we approach these conversations with love and care to ensure that we're building up and not tearing down. Remember, to not communicate what you think someone might want or need, but discover what is helpful for building them up according to their needs and not yours. This requires you to be curious, to not approach conversations or relationships 
as if you have it figured out. Ask questions, seek first to understand, because what you say impacts those around you. So, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that I may benefit those who listen. Now with the definition of unwholesome. Do not let any talk that is detrimental to physical, mental, or moral well-being come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So we need to think, am I building up or am I tearing down in the way that I communicate to others, in the way that I communicate with myself? So now imagine, church, if we take this into account and start talking like this more at our homes, at work, at school, when we get emotional and we have a difficult time with something, and the way that we respond, and the difference that this would make if we all got better at this. Do you think that people would notice? What if, as Christians, we were known for building others up? What kind of impact do you think this could have in our families, neighborhoods, cities, counties, and beyond? What if mission could be a catalyst to power this shift? So I would change our saying at the beginning, the sticks and stones may break my bones, and the words hurt too. We need to remember that people matter to God. And as people of God, it's on us. Words are powerful. We have the ability to build up or tear down. So let's all be builders using our words internally and externally to build ourselves and one another up, letting God's light shine for his glory to all those around us. Now to close this out, I'd like to just say a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to share this verse, Ephesians 4.29, and what you've placed on my heart and the way that it's shaped me and the struggles that I'm continuing to face with it. Um, God, I pray that you'd be with all of us as we try to learn to be better about the talk that comes out of our mouths, the words that we use, how we say them, and especially our internal self-talk as well. God, I pray that you help us to not let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, that we would be mindful and that we would only say things and that we would use words that are going to build up others and we would let your light shine through us. We just ask that you'd be with us this week and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.